This experience is best with headphones. This is a program in partnership with Open and Clear Broadcasting. For more information and additional programs, visit us at openandclear.com. For any questions you would like us to focus on, comments about the show, inquiry about advertising with us, or just want someone to talk to, please visit us there at openandclear.com. Hello, everybody. Hello, Christy. Hello, Devin. (laughs) So how are we doing this week? Um, actually, we're doing better. How are you? Oh, yeah? I'm pretty good. I'm really tired right now. <laughs> yeah, staying up all night. I, I had a project I had to finish, a rearranging, uh-huh. kind of a spiritual practice of mine of having an altar, a representation of my mind, and kind of mm-hmm. my understanding of what uh, the universe is to God's mind. You had mentioned that you do that on the full moon. Is there a reason for that? Uh, well, if there is, um, I don't completely know all of the information. I mean, I, I can ask about it. I'm just, I kind of follow guidance. And uh, I think about how there's supposed to be an energetic pattern that is, you know, it's it's stronger on the full moon, uh, the pull uh, like just like water moving and as far right. as my intellect my intellect I don't know exactly why I do most of the things I do um, <laughs> it's more of a spiritual intuition and uh-huh. um, yeah best to follow those yeah and it's just a practice in my life right now I often change my practices but I've been doing it for about let's see uh I guess a year and a half and it's gotten bigger and bigger and it it stopped growing and then now it's just been rearranging every month. Yeah, it's all very symbolic and everything but it kind of helps me see like I'm here in front of it right now actually and I have my microphones, I do my show Miracles and Magic uh, in Uh front of it. it's all a representation of my mind and representation, therefore, of God. And uh, like I, it's, it's kind of a reminder that I'm not talking to another person here. I'm not looking at objects here. I'm, you know, this, all of this is a ripple of that same singularity uh, before the uh, so-called Big Bang of existence. Right. Uh, yeah. I get that. So there's a, it's a lot to it, but... Yeah, I'm excited about this show. I, I got a few other shows starting up. Um, a little nervous about time and everything, dealing with the baby as well. Uh-huh. Kind of shocked by that. but <laughs> Yeah. So what's happening with your life? Well, let's go for it. Pardon me? Yeah. What's happening with your life? Any good spiritual well, things or anything? Yes, actually, something huge for me anyway. Um, There is a man by the name of Tom Campbell. I don't know if you've heard of him. Mm -hmm. I'm not very good with names. Pardon me? I'm sorry. I'm not very good with names, so... Okay, I'm not either. I have his book next to me. That's why I can say that clearly. (laughs) Um, He wrote a book called The Big Toe, 
Um, and like I said, he is a physicist, and Toe is representative of theory of everything. So my big toe <laughs> is my big theory of everything. And the thing that I find fascinating about him and his book is the fact that he is a scientist. He's a skeptic. He, he just absolutely needs a lot of evidence for him to even remotely yeah. consider anything to be true. And when he was in college in his early 20s, he saw an advertisement to uh, learn a special kind of meditation to help you sleep. And he was sleep-deprived, of course, and all the studying and everything that he was doing. So he thought, oh, what the heck, I'll try it. Um, he was really skeptical, though, and he thought he'd wasted his money. And it was transcendental meditation, by the way. Yeah, this sounds familiar. Um, in his awesome. first... Oh, did you say something? I'm sorry. I, I forget on the phone. It's a little hard to talk over each other, so I apologize. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah oh, I, I've heard I, this is coming back to mind of hearing about this guy. I think he was one of the Law of Attraction uh, in the Secret movie, wasn't he? I, uh, I'm not sure okay. if I remember seeing him or not, but it would be interesting to watch it again and see. But I don't know for sure. I, I do like that he was such a skeptic. Yeah. Um, because during his first meditation experience, he had great success. And he was out for 45 minutes, and he didn't understand it and, and what was happening. But he was just totally shocked to just kind of snap out of it and realize that what felt like two minutes to him was 45. And so <laughs> it, it triggered him to, to look deeper into it. And as he did, he became very good at meditating and getting into altered states. And then he somehow, once he, you know, was married and had a really super good job and everything, he he was uh, told by his boss to read a book called The Journey, uh, I can't remember the title, but it was by Robert Monroe. And it was about journeying out of the body. And he thought, oh, this is just a bunch of crap. You I want to say it was called, I want to say it was called The Journey Beyond, wasn't it? I don't know, maybe. That, that could be it. I just looked at the title this morning, and I already oh, yeah. forgot it, but I am going to read that book, too. Okay. But to make a long story short, he became friends with Bob, Bob Monroe, as well as a few other colleagues at his work who were also skeptics and scientists and electrical engineers and things like that. And they helped him build a lab. And he'd already written a book about all of this, by the way. Bob Monroe did. So... Um, they helped him build a lab, and they started doing some really intricate, deep, you know, uh, experiments to see if out-of-body was a real thing. And, and he says, man, I needed proof. And they were just amazed at what was happening, and he was just almost addicted to it because he realized that this reality is not all there is. And they were going out-of-body. They were... Uh, he says they were even able to like go a week into the future and read the paper, and it would they would write down what they read, and then a week later, the the paper would say what they wrote down. He would he would go with his little five year old son every night on out of body experiences, and he even told about one where he swam under the ocean with his son and went through the body of a whale and. And his son is now an aeronautical engineer, and he remembers fondly doing these things with his dad. And 
you know, kind of, a, you know, confirms the things that have happened. But I've only gotten through, like, literally a sixteenth of the book, and it's already mind-blowing. And <laughs> the one thought that I had was, it's not so much that going out of body is, like, important, because, you know, in the grand scheme yeah. of things, it isn't. It's just neat that he, a skeptic, is realizing that there's a lot more to just being in this so-called dream or virtual existence, so to speak, and and that there's a whole lot more to it. Just it's bigger. It's bigger than just what we think we are. And he was, you know, witnessing the oneness and and yet the little unique little particles which are all of us. There's. I can't wait to to read the rest of it because. It's just so good already. Have you ever had an out-of-body... I would have to say it's my favorite book I've ever gotten into, ever. Have you ever had an out-of-body experience? Yes, I have. Let's hear it. It was really fascinating, in fact. (laughs) you want to hear it? Yes, please. Well, I was just standing there minding my own business one day. Actually, it was in the evening. And actually, I've had two, if I really think about it, but this is the one that was really cool. Um, I was minding my own business, and all of a sudden, I looked up, and of all things, I saw your run-of-the-mill classic-looking flying saucers, the kind you would see on a a B-rated movie, just your disc. And I felt different, and yet I felt the same, but I knew I wasn't quite normal and and I'm sure that's when I went out of body and I I was so excited and there were people around me and I was jumping up and down but it was like they couldn't see me and I was like look look they're real I knew it I knew they were real because I had had some experiences as a child with you know UFO stuff and this UFO landed and it was probably the size of a, a big house and it it was silver mixed with copper. It almost looked like a mother of pearl shell, the way the colors were swirling on the mm-hmm. ship. And I didn't see any door or anything, actually. It was just smooth. But all of a sudden, a door opened. And I figured, you know, some little green man was going to walk out with a great big huge eyes, but it was actually something that looked more like a robot. Not the classic kind that don't walk very well. It just looked like, more like something you would hmm. see in Star Wars. It was obviously a robot, but it was, it was more organic, like had yeah. human tendencies. And I could feel that this robot thing was organic. In other words, it had consciousness. And I was, my heart was just pounding. I could feel it pounding, and I was so excited. And this this robot being lifted up its hand and like aimed it at me and it scared me because I thought it was going to shoot me with some death ray you know and and I kind of jumped backwards and this being sent me a message telepathically and let me know that it was not going to hurt me and to let go of my fear so I put my hand up in the air like I was waving only I just held my you know palm out and that being shot this ray of really bright light right into my hand. As it hit my hand, it felt like I had been injected with a drug 
that was the best drug you could ever imagine in your whole life. It just started flowing up my arm, and I started feeling like, oh, it was just wonderful. And then it shot me again, only the light went into my heart space, just right on my chest. And again, I felt that flowing of whatever it was going into my body. And then it shot me again right where people say your uh, pineal gland is, just right on my forehead between my eyes. And by then, I was just like in major bliss state. I, I was just euphoric, and I felt it flow through my whole body. And as soon as I could tell I was completely saturated, it was like I was a new person. And the thing that I was feeling was the most pure, intense, magnificent, unconditional love that I have ever felt. It made like giving birth like, you know... <laughs> A walk on the beach. It was like, eh, whatever, you know. And and giving birth to me was just like, you know, whoa, this major, huge <laughs> love feeling. And it just paled in comparison to what I was feeling. I mean, there is no earthly way to describe what I was feeling. It was it was that intense, and it was something that I've never felt. It, it didn't feel human. It didn't feel like it belonged here on yeah. this planet. And. I realized nobody could see me, and, and of course I realized then that obviously I was out of body, and so I just walked around, and I walked around a town. I don't even remember what town it was. I just walked around, and I looked at people, and every person I saw, I just felt totally in love with, and the interesting thing is I saw people being mean to each other, and I was totally in love with them. I just I felt this compassion and like a total understanding of why they were doing what they were doing. I felt just a sweetness towards them that, I mean, if I saw somebody mm. bullying another person in real life, I would be cussing and furious and want to rip them to shreds, you know. I would I would really be upset because I hate bullying, but I felt this really intense love for every person. And when I would see a young child or a baby, it was like quadrupled. And I didn't think it could get stronger, but it was. And I was so overwhelmed with this unconditional love that I just bawled and bawled and bawled. And it was it was a happy cry, but I couldn't I couldn't stop. It just went on and on and on. And the feeling was so good that I I felt like if I stayed that way for eternity, I would never get sick of it. It was that good. And then after I just did this for quite a while, all of a sudden I was just back to me, back to normal, just as quick as I had gone out. And mm. my mind was blown. It's, it still is, you know. I mean, it was just unreal. Yeah, and, that's... and I know now it was an out-of-body. I just know it was. Well, that's pretty vivid. Yeah, it was. <laughs> quite, quite long in comparison to my out-of-body experiences. Um, well, it really was long because I walked around that town for a long time. You know, I was going around blocks. I was looking down alleys yeah. and just crying. And I just I just could have been that way forever. It felt so good. And it felt like you were awake, kind of conscious? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was as real as real can be. That's amazing. Yeah, I remember my first, I mean, my first out-of-body experience was very short. It was, uh, really? Really? Uh, I just woke up uh, floating above my body. I, I was right up against the ceiling, 
and I just uh, heard this ocean-like sound, this rushing water. And wow. I look over, because I'm a little confused, and I look over and I see the window, and right when I realized that the window is lower than it usually is, uh, <laughs> I snapped right back into my body. That was my first one. Wow. And then I started... Let me ask you a question about that. When you say you were up against the ceiling, did you have any kind of physical sensation of actually touching the ceiling? Uh, no. Um, did you happen to look at your, I guess some people call it your astral body, did you happen to look at it and see uh, if it looked solid or anything? Yeah, no, it, I, I did kind of see some evidence of it, but not really, not really solid. It was more misty, uh, huh. kind of like uh, seeing, uh, I didn't see a whole lot of it, but it was, it was kind of just misty. As, as if I'm looking through this vivid, colorful uh, lens of some sort, because the ceiling was lit up in a different way, and it was when I woke up, it was it was still dark in the room, and the the window was glowing more than it usually does, and and it was wow. there was a there was a vividness like a saturation that was not available, right? You know, before. Do you recall having any awareness of bodily function, like? Breathing, blinking. Well, around this time, uh, around this time, I, I started practicing it and having multitude of experiences, and there was definitely a sleep uh, paralysis in between actually inducing it yourself. And mm -hmm. uh, I, there was many times I would see where I was astrally, and then I would try and open my eyes more or something, and that attempt was actually controlling my body. So then I would start seeing where my body was in those eyes as well as my astral body. And it got oh, really wow. dis disorienting and, and often woke me up. It's like I... Wow. This that reminds me, you know, Go ahead. using two different senses at once, like the astral body and the, and the physical body. There was a night where I was laying in bed and I was facing the left, so I was laying on my left side, and there was a, a spirit sitting on my bed. It was a man, and he was leaning down. He had his elbow on his knee, and he was just leaning down. He looked like he was deep in thought. Hmm. And I had seen spirits before, and so I was really curious and just a little bit freaked out, but I was, I was kind of too tired to get too freaked out. And I remember thinking, I wonder what he's thinking about. I wonder what he's doing here. Maybe I should talk to him and ask him if he needs anything or if he wants to talk or whatever. You know, mm. I just had all these random thoughts. And after quite a while of him just sitting there, not moving, but just thinking deeply, I realized I was looking at him out of the back of my head. <laughs> he was on the other side of the bed behind me, but I could see him clearly. Yeah. And as soon as I realized that I was seeing... 360 degrees around me, I was like, I knew instinctively that we have a lot more than our five senses. We just don't realize it. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and I, I, that even goes for flying. I, I remember flying vividly. I don't know if I flew in past lives. I don't, because I don't know anything, but I, I just have a memory of flying. Mm -hmm. And Every once in a while, I might be laying on the couch or something, and I think, oh, I need to go to the kitchen to get such and such. And I will lean forward 
to start flying to the kitchen. <laughs> it doesn't work, and it kind of stumps me for a second, and then I realize, oh, I, oh, I can't fly here. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> but it, it literally is like a, a just a natural feeling, like, yeah. okay, I'm going to get fly to the next room, and then I realize uh, that's not the place I'm in right now. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of freaky, but that's the truth. I, I literally remember flying and how yeah. it feels and stuff. Yeah, no, I understand. It's kind of funny. I remember one time uh, waking up early. I, I think I was in high school at, at this time or something. My mom was waking me up, and I go and answer the door. And she, uh, apparently the door opened or something, but I didn't notice that she didn't see me until like later when I snapped right back into my body after she turned around and walked away. Like she was trying to wake me up, knocking at the door, and I opened the door. And, oh, God. And it's like, I, <laughs> I, I really don't know for sure if she saw me or not. She said she couldn't see me. She's like, are you there? I'm like, yeah, I'm up, I'm up. She's like, okay. Oh, wow. And Did you ever talk to her about it later? No, you know, I haven't. I probably still hmm. could, but nah, she doesn't have that great of a memory, so... Uh, oh. But we can give it a try, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah, most of my uh, out-of-body experiences and relations with uh, ghosts and stuff more relate to like a sleeping dream where it's kind of uh, chaotic, uh, more random, uh, mm -hmm. instead of like a linear time where it seems like it's solid and stuff. It's... It's like I can instantly think about something and all of a sudden be there. And, and I mean, oh, I haven't got to that point, but I sure would like to be. So do you have, a, do you have a technique that you use or anything? Have you uh, no, been attempting? No, in fact, when that happened, it just, like you said, random. It was like, boink, just happened. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why, but I was going through a period of time where I was more reflective about spirituality and, and what's out there and and I was having problems with forgiveness and so I think that probably was given to me to help me to see the the hearts of people you know and and I get upset at myself sometimes because even though I remember that experience vividly it bothers me that I still allow myself to get upset at people's antics you know because <laughs> I know who they really are and and one person made a statement once that hit me profoundly. They said, the way that I learned to forgive was I looked at people and thought, I forgive you for forgetting who you really are. And and I was like, oh, you know, even that mean jerk, you know, or that ex-husband or whoever it is that I feel hurt about, they're still, you know, at the deeper level, just like me at the deeper level. We're all the same thing. Yeah. And I just, I really need to keep that in mind more when I get upset. The, the question is, is who is remembering or who is forgetting who they are or who you're, you are? You know, is it really them? Right. Because even and, just and that statement. And who's the voice in our head that we're listening to and who is listening? <laughs> yeah. there, there's so many questions. Now, since I've had uh, what I feel like opening heart experiences, once you're like aware that you're, you know, not in that space or not very loving, can't you, in your experience, can't you just kind of think about that experience again of how, how loving that 
was when you were looking at that the babies and stuff and and the other people and your heart just filling up and it actually starts occurring again um i yeah. i have a vivid memory of how it felt yeah but i have really struggled with trying to get it back part of my problem is the health problems i have and i know that i can even push through those too but they affect my brain a lot mm. and and so like i might have an outburst of a really bad mood or a temper tantrum or something and it's not like i'm finger pointing and saying it's not my fault but really i'm being affected by the chemicals in my brain it's it's not like manic depressive or something it has everything to do with minerals i have mm. mineral imbalances bad ones and when when something like this happens, when somebody really, really hurts me, I sometimes can just overreact or get overhurt by it, and I have to just go sit down somewhere and calm down and breathe and relax because I can't instantaneously move into that space that I was in before. But the nice thing about it is it, it has helped me realize that they are those beings, and I have had many experiences when I'm calm where I would just meditate and start talking to that person. My ex-husband is a big one. Um, I, I would just talk to him and say, I, I'm looking at the bigger picture. I can see how you were raised. I can see how this and this and this affected you. I can see what hurt you. I can see why you act certain ways. I'm so sorry. You know, I, I apologize to him, you know, for being hurt even. And I forgive you. And, and when I got into those places, I felt so good, you know. And, and I'm feeling actually a lot better about him. I still don't like him, but I don't hate him anymore. <laughs> and it will be interesting to see if he tries to hurt me again, how I will react. Yeah it will be really interesting because that was a powerful experience I had with him that one night in particular. It was only about a month ago that I did this. Um, but oh, really? I think that if I could say anything about my experience out of body with the organic space alien, it would be that it's coming into my life in increments, you know, the, the deeper, yeah. remembrance of it and the being able to go back into that state it just i wish i could get into it fast now but i can't but i have a feeling i'll, I'll be able to because i use it more and more and i feel it more and more yeah i, th I think it, it definitely resides on the desire to do it as well uh, as long as you maintain the desire to then it's pretty much just asking from there and then it will naturally come I think gratitude is huge, too. Yeah. I think that, well, I, I'm not even going to say I think. I know that when I uh, feel gratitude and express it, that anything that I'm feeling that gratitude for, I get more of it and lots more. But if I just say, it like, oh, I'm so thankful for this and I'm thankful for that, that's how my prayer used to be when I used to pray. It's like, thank, thank you for this, yeah. thank you for this day, thank you for this food, blah, 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 blah. But now, you know, I've noticed that if I feel the gratitude, I don't even have to say anything. I can just feel it. And a lot more of what I'm grateful for comes into my life or things just like it or things even better. And I'm happier when I feel that gratitude. I feel like gratitude is huge. It has a really high energy yeah. to it. Through my experience of uh, 
time is like the whole reason of time is is kind of dividing up the space between let's say not n- not remembering anything of that space or spirituality or or of god and then to the point of maybe in in one lifetime or a million lifetimes it doesn't matter uh, to the point of reaching complete remembrance of god it's like in between there if if you had complete remembrance i mean absolute complete remembrance of truth or so-called god then you wouldn't be in time anymore you wouldn't be you know getting to that space so it's like almost as far as uh, i ha- i had a death experience and uh i i had to willingly accept back an a at least one resentment i chose two uh to come back into the body really yeah because the joy was so intense and, and just so amazing outside is like the decision to actually be in the confines of time and the physical body was was the establishment of having an opposite to love or a a place that we resent or hold love back and, wow, and, I've never heard it put that way before. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's why, you know, like a forgiveness is, is really the opportunity of opening that doorway to heaven and, and uh, as they say, shortening time to complete remembrance of who you are. Um, wow. Huh. So that's a first-hand experience uh, without going into too much detail about that specific death experience. I wanted to mention uh, what I used to practice while inducing out-of-body experiences. Okay. Um, since we're on that subject. <laughs> so it, it was uh, becoming aware, uh, I would lay down, uh, usually becoming aware of as much of the body as possible and uh, feeling that sensation of just feeling your body. And then I would attempt to, without moving my body, attempt to feel my body move without moving my body, as if I'm moving uh, what would be, because I'm laying on the ground or the bed, would be up and down, into the bed and off of the bed, into the bed, off the bed, and kind of a, a mentally choosing to pull myself back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it was a little easier to do it with my head doing it uh not not physically doing it but uh as if above my waist was doing it more than my feet were um Hmm. and then i would do that like almost as if i'm going to fall asleep and either meditate or something and i would start i would lose myself i would you know either fall asleep or disappear into a place or something and then i would wake up in in an out of body experience of just whatever it may be like walking down the street or is it something where I'd be thinking as if I I fell into a dream but uh it's vivid and it's as if I'm it's it feels like I'm awake but it has the right. properties of a dream yeah. right yeah so I mean, it's. Just mind, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. I mean, it's a pretty simple technique, and it, it does take some diligence to keep doing it and trusting that it's going to happen and, and and everything. But as far as an actual technique, that's 
That's a very good one for those who are interested and listeners uh, yeah. for inducing out-of-body you experiences. you feel that, that lucid dreaming is a form of out-of-body experience? Uh, absolutely, because I don't actually find any difference except for degrees uh, in frequencies of, of what the spirit world is. As far as my right. understanding, and it's been described to me, is the spirit world is uh, what we know as light and sound. And it's kind of the, the emanating of light and the movement of, of that light and of objects. So not necessarily light, you know, from the sun or even from a light bulb or anything like that. But, but it is an existence of it, appearance, like there's an appearance. Right. And then the movement right. of that appearance isn't necessarily, sound isn't the easiest way to describe it because we, when we think of sound, like even hearing my voice now, we think of an amplitude that is so, you know, gigantic in comparison to the movement of energy. Mm. Yet that's just the best way of describing it, that there's like a wave, the water doesn't actually move, but, right. the, but there's a force pushing it. And mm-hmm. it, it's like wind. I mean, the movement of wind is quite literally the movement of energy. And I don't... Oh, yeah. I don't actually th- believe that walls stop the movement of energy. So. Mm-hmm. Uh. I, find, I find that, um, unfortunately, that a lot of people believe that if you have a lucid dream, it's just a dream, and they don't think of it as being out of body. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because I really feel strongly that it's definitely out of body, and, and I agree with everything you just said. Oh, no. What? Oh, I did, I, you stopped for a second. Did you? Did we lose you? Oh, you yeah. Still no, you didn't lose me. Is it call waiting? He's trying to call me, and you know how it kind of interrupts oh, your darn. voice. It's probably my husband to tell me that he's on his way home, but I wanted to tell you there was a... I had this lucid dream where I actually performed an experiment in it sure. um, because I was dreaming, and I was dreaming that I was at my grandma's house standing on her lawn, and she's in my dreams a lot. All of a sudden, I saw a woman walking up with a basket, and she was picking toadstools off the lawn. Mm. And she looked like she was in a daze. And I, I said to her, please be careful picking those because they're poison. You think you're picking mushrooms, but you're not. And she just was like, and just <laughs> kept walking off. And then I don't know what triggered me, but I went, oh, my God, I'm dreaming. This is a dream. I'm in I'm in a lucid state right now. And I was like, this is my opportunity. I'm going to run an experiment. And so I, I purposely changed my environment. I said, okay, I want there to be a great big huge boulder here so I can touch it. And there was a boulder there. It was, you know, it was half as tall as me, and I was running my fingers on it and, and hmm. saying, I feel this as if I was standing on a mountain feeling a real boulder. I don't feel asleep. This is just as crystal clear as it can be. I took my shoes off and I walked around in the, in the grass and I, I could feel it was warm and, and smooth and I even put my hands down in it and felt it. And then I was like, okay, take note of the temperature. And I was like, oh, it feels like it's about 72 degrees. And then I said, am I breathing? <sighs> 
yes, I'm breathing. This Oh, this is so cool. I, I know <laughs> I'm dreaming, and yet I'm experimenting. And mm. I just went and did things like that over and over again. And then all of a sudden, the the grass turned into a hill. It was still grass, but it got steeper and steeper and steeper. And it got so steep that I knew I was going to fall. So I grabbed the rock, and I think this is where fear was coming in. In fact, I know it. It is where fear came in. And I knew if I let go of that rock that I would fall to my death. And I went, Christy, you know you're dreaming. And then I went, am I? This feels too real. This can't be a dream anymore. This has to be real. Is this the real state or is (laughs) where I was the real state? What is reality? And this voice in my head said, just let go of the rock and see if you fall. And I couldn't do it. I was too scared to let go of that rock because that lucid dream was so real, I knew if I fell, I would die. And that just was like a lesson to me that it's just, it's just real. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, some people might say, well, you just had a really realistic dream, but that was no dream. I was there. Yeah, it's kind of as real as you're choosing for it to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did everything the way I wanted to, but as soon as I let fear into that dream, that was when the hill formed. It turned into a cliff, you know. And, yeah. So did and, you wake up uh, quite soon after that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. as soon as yeah. I was, like, hanging out for dear life, I was like, I don't want to die, and then, boom, I woke up. Yeah. But it, it, it was an interesting lesson for me, you know. It showed me that, well, the big thing was is that, uh, the reality of it. It's like, was that reality? And then I, it, this place I'm in now is a dream, or is it the opposite? Or is it both? You know, are they both realities? I believe they're both realities. I believe that there's a lot more realms than this one that we can go to, and dreamland is one of them. Yeah, and through my experience of what's been kind of been teaching with me is is that that idea like a, a fear in that spirit world or in that dream is is kind of the uh representation of of why we came into this physical world. Like what this really? physical world is is really sol- solidified and slower and has a buffering time for our manifestations to occur. And uh, the spirit world is is almost instantaneous, as you're describing. It's very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so once we grabbed onto this idea of fear or something to be afraid of, or that death is possible, even as falling in the rock, is then we we wake up, or uh, so we term it, have wake up, but we're actually so-called dying into this body again, because uh, mm-hmm. it's a limitation. It's it's kind of a a safeguard for us it's a it's a helpful tool while we're training our minds to think of only the lovely safe things the only you know that we are eternal and right. uh, you know eventually our mind will be trained that way to only see the eternal and in- right. instead of needing the safeguard of you know a solidified life right. slower and time I, and i think that a lot of people fear death yeah for the wrong reasons. Yeah, so. and and it's surprising. It's it's amazing how you you can ask people if they're afraid of death, and and they most of them that I have will say no, 
And, and really? just to see that, just to hear that, and, and my confronting death and facing death is, is like, I, I cannot say I am not afraid of death in some sort of fashion when I'm still in a body. Like now I know yeah, I, I am afraid of death. That's why I still believe I have hands. <laughs> That's why I still right. believe I'm, I, I have to walk around I, sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm terrified of death. And the funny thing is, it's not that I'm terrified of feeling, you know, some sort of bliss state, you know, like I experienced with the, the alien encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, my fears stem from a few things. One of them is, I don't want to leave my children. I don't want to leave yeah. my family. I, I would miss them. You that know? was that was Hopefully one of they would miss me. Sorry, that that was one of my resentments that uh, brought me back into the world was, and using resentment as a term to describe that, if I did leave, uh, my family would think, you know, would have a problem with me leaving and and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Do you, do you also fear the possibility of extreme physical pain and discomfort of death because that's the other fear I have of death. Uh, you know, I have had experiences of what I feel like a physical pain so extreme that I just give up. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm dying. I'm going to die here. And then I had this complete relief, you know, of that, of like, oh, there's no more pain anymore. Uh, so as far as the pain idea, I think I kind of rely on that experience, um, which I, I feel like some people describing birth to me uh, mm-hmm. have described it in that fashion, that the pain's so intense that they think they're going to die, and right. and they finally let go, and then it's done, and then endorphins and everything. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't really know for sure. Uh, as far as, uh, that's what most people would tell me when I ask them about death, and if they're afraid of death, is that they're more afraid of suffering for a long mm-hmm. period of time. It's like, just put a pillow over my face, please. Yeah, you could call it pre-death. You know, you're afraid of pre-death. You're not afraid of the actual, okay, now you're yeah. dead. Yeah. And the funny thing, though, about suffering with death is I have to wonder if everybody really suffers because I've read a lot of near-death experiences where, yeah. you know, people have been lifted out of their bodies and watched as they've, Oh, had a parachute fail and watched themselves splatter on the ground, you know, and break half the bones in their body. They were pulled out right before. And, and I know in my own experience, when I was seven years old, I was attacked by a really big dog. And that dog just ripped me to shreds, and right. I didn't feel a thing. I remember peeing my pants and being knocked over. But the only pain I felt was when his tooth went through my shoe, and I felt it hit my, the bone in my toe, you know. Other than that, all of the mm. flesh that he shredded, I did not feel that happen at all. Not wow. one bit. And it was almost like I had been injected with, you know, a painkiller or something right the split second before. So, and I, you know, scientists say that that's what happens is your, your body shoots out, chem- or your brain shoots out chemicals that deaden that pain instantly. And that's the way it was for me that time, you know. Something I noticed. You ever find... Oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I was just going to ask you, 
I know that you have a similar background as as I do with you used to be Mormon. Do you ever find subconscious fears creeping in about death, you know, like what what if they were right or what if Christianity is right or what if this or that religion is right and I'm really a scumbag and and you know, I'm going to go to a really bad place for for rejecting all of that. Yeah, not anymore. Um, I, I did definitely have that occurring, uh, through my first year of A Course in Miracles and, um, maybe throughout my travels a little bit, but after that big experience of death and kind of recalling, you know, my position in, in the world and my purpose, um, it, it it has, there's been a a solidness, a a surety, a certainty uh, that that definitely comes along with it. Uh, now I have no doubt that it. In fact, let me say it this way: If I doubted what I know now, then I would be doing what they say would be casting me out into outer darkness. I have no doubt that what I am hearing is the voice of God. I have no doubt whatsoever that who I communed with was Jehovah. I have no doubt whatsoever that in my experience of the spirit world, the reality of the, as I coined, 10 dimensions of reality is an actual existence that the misunderstanding that the church has put on the understanding of the plan of salvation, they call it, in the 10 dimensions of reality is, is a fear-based understanding. And as many religions and, and practices have done that very same thing in order to enforce the reality of the physical body to exist. We, all, we right. need resentments to believe we are here. Yeah. Huh. So, uh, you, so, no, I have no more doubt anymore. If you were to be approached by... I can hear my voice echoing as I talk oh. on your end as... Yeah. Anyway, do you do you find that? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to rephrase this. Let's just say that you were approached by several religious leaders, okay? And they said they they all gave you you know a brief outline of what they believe, and they also gave you evidence. You know, like the Mormons might say, well, we have the Book of Mormon, and we have you know these thousands of testimonies of people who saw angels and 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 had. Mm beings testify to them that the Mormon church is true. And, you know, another one might say, well, Buddha appeared to me. And a Catholic might say, well, my painting Christ tears of blood and, you know, whatever. Let's just say that they all came to you, though, and said, I have this evidence and it's solid evidence. And and it might even appear to be really valid evidence. And so they would say to you, well, what makes you right and us wrong? Or what makes you so sure that you have no doubts? And, and our way is the wrong way, how would you answer them? Yeah, I would say uh, everything, and, and this is how it's been explained to me and through most of my experience, is that everything in each of those religions that is a positive understanding, that is, you know, a, a supportive idea of reality, or a supportive idea of your life and a good experience, uh, is, is absolutely true. That no matter what form you have it, 
it has a space in the ten dimensions and you are experiencing one form of those ten dimensions no matter what. And, and in those ten dimensions there is the space that has doubt and fear in, in itself and in others. And that mostly third and second dimension uh, focused beings uh, do see reason to say, don't do this, don't do that. You know, this is wrong, this is bad. Uh, you know, and those things are not conducive to uh, the continual plan of purification of our mind. Um, so I do not have any doubt that any religion and every religion is talking about something very specific within these ten dimensions. Uh, heaven is real, uh, nirvana is real, um, all of it is real. And, and that, that being a, uh, a loosely used term as real, because a lot of people who believe and are focused on the physical world as reality uh, insist that real means that it's solid. And uh, I, I, I'm not saying that by referring to real. Uh, that So there's this, the three consecutive ideas in the dimensions, which is continuous throughout the ten, is mind, body, and spirit. And you can't have them separately. Um, however, you can believe however you want that they are separate. Yet the mind, the consciousness, is always there, perceiving either the body or the spirit. And if, if it wants to have the positive experience of spirit, it is conducive to the idea of heaven. And then if you want to have a, a negative experience, if you understand you're choosing it or not, it is conducive to the idea of hell. Yet, you know, this physical body is here to divide that up and reincarnation is acceptable as well because it is simply if you are you have a habit of believing that you're a body and experiencing yourself as a body, when you do go into spirit and when you do let go of the body, or lack of better terms, um, die, you have the opportunity of accepting yourself as spirit or insisting that something is not right or the feeling is too intense or that you're afraid or anything like that, and you will return to an idea of a body. It may be the exact same life you just left in over again, or it may be, you know, a whole new one. Depends on you completely. Whoa, the same life? <laughs> yeah, anything and everything no, is possible. <laughs> and it, it, it kind no, of... That's a scary thought to me. <laughs> we can accept this idea of uh, the ten dimensions as saying anything is possible in God. The whole entire thing is God. And so anything is possible. Re literally referring to some place I have magical powers and am enabled to fly in my physical body within these ten dimensions. Anything uh -huh. is possible. That, that, of course, is talking about the sixth dimension, which the plan of salvation refers to as the resurrection. Right. It, it's, Do you consider, you know, when you talk about these ten dimensions, you know... I I've never heard you talk about them before. Yeah. Are you kind of in a uh, very general terms, are you saying that basically we're all God in drag, as my friend puts it, and in a way. we're just like little pieces of God coming down and having all these little experiences just for the sake of experiencing it? Or do you feel like 
uh, God or the creative energy or whatever people want to call it is actually evolving all the time. Because like Tom Campbell said last night in a, in a talk I watched, he said that anything that stagnates starts to de-evolve. And, and I even find that yeah. if I sit on a chair too long, my heart starts to beat too fast and, and I feel restless and, and I just feel icky. And then when I stand up, I feel all, you know, fuzzy and icky until I finally get my blood pumping the right way again. And, and that's kind of how he, he believes it is spiritually, that, he, that the, the God consciousness or the all that is or whatever mm-hmm. you want to name it is constantly evolving. And that's why little pieces of it are always out here having different experiences in different dimensions and levels like yeah. you talked about. To evolve constantly, never-ending creation, just creating constantly and growing and growing and growing. What's your take on that? Well, as far as this understanding of the ten dimensions, is it does not leave anything out. So the difference between the zeroth dimension, or before existence of the universe, is the idea of God, which is our source, uh, that that has nothing to it yet. There is nothing acceptable to describe this position. Okay? Okay. Anything I use to describe it, it is now a dimension. So everything, all the dimensions are there to describe what that nothing, as, as the best describe it could be, that nothingness of God, the unnameable, unexplainable, undefinable, what it is if it was anything. And therefore then... And, and it's nice to put a, a hyphen in that to, to make it even more understandable. Instead of saying nothing, you could go no hyphen thing. Yeah, no There's thing. no thing to it until you define it. Yeah, exactly. And then the tenth dimension is that same space of nothing, but as everything. So the, the, the evolving of, et- like eternal evolving eternal expansion and everything is still within these 10 dimensions that that everything uh, and the difference between let's say being nowhere then being some places or being one place and then being some places and then being almost everywhere and then being literally everywhere the difference between being nowhere and being everywhere is not there is no difference so when i to explain this a little differently uh, I, I love how they talk about it in the movie Lucy. Have you seen that? Lucy. It's a recent movie. Uh, it's really cool. You got to see it. Oh my gosh. She talks about a car driving by in in a film or something, in an Im- in an, uh, an image, and if you speed up this car uh, to where it's going faster and faster, past the same screen over and over and over again. Uh, when you speed it up to 100% the, the frame period of, of its playback, uh, then it, it starts losing its image, losing its, it looks translucent and, and kind of like a speeding image. And then 100%, it completely disappears. It doesn't exist anymore because it is everywhere. So the understanding oh, is... Yeah. So the understanding of the difference between what is God as nothing and what is God as everything is what everything is. So like you and your life is the description of God. 
you are describing God. That quite literally, God would be incomplete in its description of everything without you. Without your unique attributes and without your perspective and without your describing or belief system or anything in your past and your resentments or forgiveness practice or opportunities of healing or anything. No matter where you go or what you do, you are in the description of, of pretty much from forgetting completely of God to the complete knowing and remembrance of God. Huh. Yeah. It's almost like we're data. With data? Yeah. You, I mean, like, like information? When you, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I jumped back to Star Trek, uh, Next Generation, Data the Robot, the mm-hmm. Android. Oh, okay, which, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> that could fit with your aliens. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I, I hesitate to even tell that story, and, and it was published by somebody online, but I, I always get scared to tell that story because... A lot of people hear UFO or alien and they go, nee, 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 you know, like, mm-hmm, sure you did. I think I did a couple but times in the recording. That's how it happened. <laughs> that's how it happened. It's beautiful. I enjoy that very much. And it's, it's great I that you it. can remember so much of it and that's so clear. I know, especially since sometimes my memory is not my strong suit. <laughs> yeah. But when, that was pretty incredible. When I'm in the physical world, I remember physical stuff easily naturally all the time but when i'm in the spirit world i remember all the spiritual stuff all of that everything's there but somehow in between they don't know each other <laughs> right you know, they're not really aware of what's of, going on yeah, speaking of spirit world something you said earlier reminded me um you were talking about how uh everything is slowed down in in the space that we're in right now to mm-hmm. buffer creating like manifesting it's slower here um and it's instantaneous in other realms and it reminded me of you know when after my brother's death he actually took me to where he was in the spirit world and and this is a story that would be fun to share on your show but i remember seeing a ship and he was in the navy and I remember seeing a Navy ship, and, and I felt like that was created for him to help him feel more comfortable because he was happy in the Navy. And a voice in my head said, your brother is on that ship, and he's waiting to see you. Mm-hmm. And all I had to do was think, I need to be on that ship, and instantly I was on the ship. I didn't yeah. ride a boat out of the ship. Yeah. I was standing on the deck. Mm-hmm. And that just reminded me of what you said about how there it's not buffered, and here it is. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like a, a safety device, only because we believe in fear. I don't want to go right. into too much detail about the ten dimensions, but I can at any time. But just a quick... I, I would love for you to. A quick you know, idea... Maybe we could do that on another call. Yeah, a quick idea of it right now is, I mean, even atheism has a place within this understanding of ten dimensions and some hmm. factual understanding. So there's the singularity of that space of the, uh, that, that, that point of the zeroth dimension that has no indeterminate size. And then a first dimension is a line between two points. So this is the understanding of what is God and the perspective of the Son of God. Mm-hmm. So in this, there is now some sort of existence. 
So right. it is a reflection. The, the Son of God is a reflection of the God that you, using that term lightly as God because it, it is undescribable. And that Son right. uh, is, is almost as if the first thing that existed in the entire universe. And it, it is almost undescribable as well. However, it is a, a consciousness dimension. It is, is like unto mind and, and mm -hmm. unto thought. So even as right. the mind of God, because they're reflections of each other. But the mind of God doesn't have any existence, as I said, there's nothing. So the sun, using physical terms to understand this, looks at the God and sees nothing, but asks a question unto itself of what, would, what is God? What, am, what is my Father? What is my Creator? And then starts developing everything. So then, in a reflection of itself, it too uh, starts reflecting the light and sound of the spirit world. So it divides itself into a reflection of the light and sound. And then, so that's the spirit world. And these, that's another uh, dimension, a fold in the existence of, there's one line, then there's the flat understanding of two lines, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then... This, this uh, third dimension of reality is the additional uh, four elements, the four solid, or there's, you know, the air, fire, water, and earth, the understanding, and, and all the various uh, the densities and frequencies in between, um, uh, combinations of these elements. So, so that's the physical body and, and the third dimension involving height. So the fourth dimension is referred to often as time, even though people like to lately trying to describe it into another shape dimension. So if you're following along, the Son of God is mind, then the spirit world is spirit, a representation of a happy dream about itself, this only idea of love. And then the idea of fear is what brings it into a solidified form. And then the, the idea of mind again believes that it went through this experience of a body. So it's looking back in time on the physical world. So the mind of the fourth dimension is the same mind as the first dimension. And this is what A Course in Miracles is trying to get us to understand and remember, is to let go of your belief in the body, you remember and recall the Son of God, who you actually are. So, and then it continues. And that's a metaphor, right? Uh, yeah, using terms and understanding, it's, it's hard to describe, uh, but it is an actual experience you go through. Right, but so, I mean, a lot of people might listen to this and go, Son of God equals Jesus or something like that. And yeah. So that's why I said this is a metaphor, you know, yeah, the Son it, of God. Yeah, it, it's true. And, and son of, uh, Jesus was a physical form. That a body that he is no longer, you know, attached to in that sense. And, and at the same time, I will be done with my bodily purpose sometime soon, even as you would. Uh, but the, right. the Christ that is in us is still existing. So, right. so to explain real quickly about the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth dimension is we, there's that pattern. So it goes... It's, it was mind of the first, spirit of the second, body of the third, mind of the fourth, spirit of the fifth, 
And six is body again. Seventh is mind. Eighth is spirit. Ninth is body. And ten is back into the consciousness. Wow. So there's a, it has a complete pattern in the existence of all reality. It, it is the flower of life. It is the star of David. It, it is palpable I was just going to say, it reminds me of the fractals that you see so yeah, often. Exactly. It, it, it exists everywhere. And and so did, I mean, because of the Mormon background, I can I can explain to you that, quite literally, that is, it's easier to draw out, but that is the intelligences that we were as mind in Christ, and then mm-hmm. the spirit world in our pre-existence, then the physical world where we are, then the spirit right. prison that believes it's a body of the fourth dimension, spirit paradise, which is the fifth. Uh, resurrection of the sixth, last judgment of the seventh, which is mind, then there's a terrestrial, telestial, and celestial kingdom. You have to, in another phone call, tell me this in more detail of the higher higher levels, because this fascinates me. It's really interesting. As far as first-hand experience, I've I've experienced a lot of the fifth dimension, uh, but the the sixth dimension, I've actually had physical laws uh, be broken and changed, and that's wh- why the term resurrection is used uh, to describe it. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, I can't wait. That's going to be fun. And using Mormon terms, like, I, I died, I know I died, and I'm dead huh. now. And I'm, I'm uh, like a missionary, uh, helping us to accept the fullness of Christ again. Not Jesus, but everybody. Yeah. So, uh, for those people who don't understand what you mean about Christ, just can you define that? Uh, Christ is uh, Spanish. It says Christos, and that is uh, refers to Latin. That means crystal. So, crystal, and a lot of people think, oh, that means crystal clear. Uh, that means they're in tune and crystal clear. But the sec, the the understanding of what the first dimension is, is is like a crystal, and the light of God shines through this crystal and then a prism, like a prism, it divides itself, the frequencies of the light of God into the spirit world of what we know as the chakras or a rainbow. Okay. Yeah, so so the mind, let's talk about it like as a, a movie projector, the light of God is shining through. The film is in the mind of the Son of God. It's choosing to experience either a physical world or a spirit world, and then it's projected or extended onto the screen in front of it. Hmm. I didn't know we were going to get so in-depth in this. Okay. (laughs) That's not necessarily bad, though. (laughs) No, I, I completely enjoy it because every time I get a little more understanding of it and everything, and it it kind of just starts pouring through me, so... Right, and it's fascinating. I, I love having conversations like this. It's one of my favorite things to do, as a matter of fact. Yeah, me too. It is uh, almost the only thing I can have conversations about. My family right. came over this last weekend, and and it was like one of the first time I opened up to most of them and talking about things and everything. Actually, How was it received? Uh, for the most part, I think it was pretty good. Uh, some of them were just not capable of or willing to understand and, you know, had a little misunderstandings about it and and everything. It it, it does seem like I'm an arrogant, all knowing bastard. <laughs> but 
I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I have this, I have this, I, I'll call it a revelation. You can call it whatever you want. Okay. But I had this understanding come to me that the true definition of being damned was stopping yourself from receiving any more light or any more knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and that comes in the dimension that you described uh, where religion is heavy because, for instance, like the Mormon church, well, pretty much every church claims to have the whole truth. Their way is the right way. And when you believe that something is the whole truth, you are not open to anything else. It doesn't matter if it's solid yeah. proof being set in front of you on a golden platter if it does not involve the teachings that you have been taught it's not true and you cast it out and to me that's the true the true meaning of being damned because just like if there's a river you know traveling down the mountain if you build a dam it yeah. stops that river and you can't get back to the ocean yeah because you're stopped. <laughs> and it is kind of a reason for death as well, because the whole reason what, death occurs is so that we can actually take on a new perspective and continue to grow. Instead of, uh, if, if, if death didn't occur, then we would continue in that same perspective, doing the same stupid thing all the time, over and over oh, and forever. Gosh. Yeah. And, and to me, that that is the literal version of hell to keep doing this, you know, over and over again. Yeah. It's kind of like Groundhog Day, that movie, you know. He had to do that same day so many times, and, and so many of the days sucked because he did it the same way. Yeah. But the more he brought love into the picture, the more he evolved until yeah. he finally, you, you know, had his aha it. moment and got it. Yeah. But his life was such a living hell doing it the same way over and over again that in many of the days that he woke up in that reality that was the same over and over again, he killed himself. You know, he electrocuted himself. He jumped off cliffs. He crashed cars because it was a living hell. Yeah. Okay, Christy. So, yeah, we need to keep growing, keep moving, keep evolving. Beautiful. I, I think that is good for today. We're going over an hour and ten minutes. Doing pretty good. Oh my! <laughs> Could I ask you to like write up a little description of each show and send it to me? Sure. Yeah. Sure. It doesn't have to be too many words. Just you know, a few lines or as much as you want. It could be long if you want. I'll put it on okay. the sh with the show and everything. That'd be great. I sure will. Okay. And Thank if you. you. Could send me a link. Yeah. Um, that I can share, that would be great. And for everybody, it, it would be available at openandclear.com. Uh, and you scroll down and find this show, uh, Truth and Shite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the shite. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know about that anymore. <laughs> okay. But the only reason I say that is because every time I feel like I have a lot of the answers or most of the answers, I realize I don't know shite. And yeah. I start over again, but I, in reality, I guess I should say that's a really good thing because I don't want to be damned in my progress. I want to continue Amen. to evolve and grow, and that means I have to have an open mind always. Beautiful. Well, thank you for taking this time with me, Christy. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. I guess we'll day. talk soon.
Yeah. See ya. All right. You have a great day.